This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. It has been way too long in the making, but it's finally here. We have Hacker Valley merchandise for people to purchase and rep that Hacker Valley swag that we all love and appreciate. We have shirts, we have hats, we have sweatshirts that you can purchase, and it's some of my favorite clothing. No lie, if you see me on a live stream or you see me out in the street, you're gonna see me wearing one of our pieces of clothing. We put time, attention, and detail into everything we do, and this is no different. Please check out our merch at store.hackervalley.com, and thanks for being a part of the Hacker Valley family. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. Our guests today are me and you. It is just me and you on the mics. <laughs> We're switching everything up. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. We're going to do some episodes where we tackle some of the questions. Some are going to be hard. Some are going to be easy. But today's question is, what is threat intelligence? And the way I would like to start off today is I want to ask you something, Ron. I want you to think about a day that was particularly bad in your life. And you don't have to let us know all the the, the details of that day. But I want you to think about that day all the different things that have gone wrong, and maybe it's different things that have gone wrong that aren't even connected to each other, just things that just didn't go right in that day. Do you have that day in your mind? I have the day in my mind. All right. Now, I want you to imagine that there is a guy that approaches you the day before that day, and he's able to say with a pretty decent degree of confidence that all of these things were going to happen during your day. Would you have done things differently? Probably. It depends <laughs> on how specific this person was. But I mean, just the fact that they had insight on how I could have a better day the next day. I'm going to at least be curious. Right. So you're going to take action on that information that they gave you. And you can look at that analogy as threat intelligence. We're taking information about threats, things that can go wrong, and we're applying it to our life. We're applying it to our network and our company. So that's what threat intelligence is. It's the, the processing, the collection, the analyzation of data to understand threat actors' motives, targets, and attack behaviors. But what is threat intelligence to you? What was your first experience with threat intelligence? You know, threat intelligence for me has been something almost elusive in some ways. I feel like I've learned what it is over and over and over again. And it means something different each time I learn about threat intelligence. When I was first getting started in my career, I worked on a government base and there was a lot of, quote unquote, all source intelligence experts and that was my first kind of introduction into what threat intelligence could be. These all source analysts, they worked with not only cyber threat intelligence, but human threat intelligence or just human intelligence, signals intelligence, all types of intelligence. And they would collect all of this data and make sense out of it. Like you were saying, the processing and dissemination by telling someone about that information. And then when I got out of the government space, I started to look at cyber threat intelligence, really 
the tactical pieces of cyber threat intelligence, indicators of compromise and all types of things that you can put in your security controls and make some type of decision. Really, that's been the, the focus of my threat intelligence interactions lately has just really been the cyber threat intelligence aspects. You know, and you're not by yourself. There are a lot of people that have a lot of different ideas of what threat intelligence is and isn't. And you could get into so many debates about where that line stops and starts. But for me, intelligence has just been a part of my entire career. I was at the National Security Agency for a little while as a United States Marine. And that's where I really learned the tradecraft of intelligence. And like you were saying, there are so many different flavors of intelligence, especially in the government. And I got a chance to, to dabble in a bit of all of them. And ultimately going to United States Cyber Command, that's where I really started doing that cyber threat intelligence like you're talking about. But really, that's what built my entire career. I spent so much time doing intelligence, looking at intelligence tradecraft, how do you apply that to a technical means? Because largely intelligence, for the most part, in its nascency was conventional. So where are all the tanks moving? Where is the enemy? What is the terrain? What does it look like? How do we maneuver to put ourselves in the best position for battle? But then you take all of that tradecraft and you try to apply it to technical means. It's a little tough in the beginning, but I think after a while, we really got a hang of what that looks like. You have things like the, the APT1 report. That's really what kicked off this, this frenzy of intelligence. But it's been incredible to watch it grow. I remember being in so many situations where people were kind of skeptical about threat intelligence. But really, threat intelligence, in my honest opinion, leads operations. It leads security operations because you can't fight what you can't see and you don't understand. So really understanding what the threat environment looks like for your particular organization is going to be super, super important. And intelligence is the way to do that. Yeah, I feel like you can't really do successful operations without threat intelligence. There has to be something that helps you make a decision about a piece of information, maybe a cybersecurity question. You get that question that comes in, you know, is this behavior suspicious? Is this behavior malicious? Does this behavior demand us to change something about our security environment? I feel like you could never really do that without threat intelligence. And the beauty that I'm seeing now is organizations are able to develop their own threat intelligence. They have the capabilities, they have the data, they have the skill set from their analysts, and they're able to kind of take this information from open source, take this information from their paid solutions, or even take this information that they've generated from their applications and make sense out of it and give the information and the context to the right people. I swear, when I first got started in really cybersecurity, I worked near SOX and I saw the level of alerts and information that they had to respond to. And I always wanted to be like a SOC analyst, but when I saw the alert fatigue and just all of the things that can come in with working in a SOC, and this was before threat intelligence analysts were really a big thing. I saw the alert fatigue and it kind of scared me off, but now organizations, they have threat intelligence analysts that are helping the SOC and incident responders respond to more of the high fidelity impact information that comes in. So, but the scary part is that you can also have like intelligence fatigue. You can overdo the intelligence. You can overdo the <laughs> right. indicators. You can overdo the production. You have to find that happy medium of 
putting out enough information for people to do actions, but you don't want to inundate people with information. Like if you have a vulnerability management team, if you're constantly sending things over the wall and they're not able to action any of them because you're just sending too many, then you're, you're kind of missing the mark. What you want to do is you want to prioritize what you're sending over for folks so then they can not only digest it and make changes for your security posture, but also so they don't just get bogged down because that alert fatigue, that intelligence fatigue, that's a real thing. And one thing that we try to work on quite often is automation, right? Getting the enrichment to data so that you can make those decisions quickly or not at all. You have the machine make the decision for you. Uh, I do remember that that was really how we met. You were a hunter. I was the intel person. I'd I really love to hear what your thoughts were about like our interactions when we were back uh, in the IronNet days. Those days were crazy. This was back in 2015. So that was really my first professional, I would say, stab at working with an intelligence analyst yourself. And there was a lot that we both had to learn. We were working for a startup that was collecting just a treasure trove of information. So one of the things that I learned from you is the strategic aspects of threat intelligence. Like I was mentioning earlier, I'm so in the tactical weeds, the implementation, the troubleshooting of the solution, rather than understanding how to avoid intelligence fatigue like you're talking about. So I think working with you was nice because it reeled in my expectations of what a threat intelligence program can be built by and also how to really start to gain a momentum and provide impact in a threat intelligence program. And I, I liked working with you because you gave me the data. You're like, hey, can you automate this? And you know, my middle name is automation. <laughs> I love to automate. So I think it was great to not only get the strategic and operational components, but also be able to touch that tactical component. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you brought up those different levels because there's pretty much three levels that people kind of adhere to. There's that strategic, like you were talking about. This is how does it affect our organization? How What intelligence do we need to know at the macro level to make the decisions that we need to as a business to do the right thing? And then you get into the, the operational. This is that middle layer where you're looking at different APTs, advanced persistent threats. You're looking at different things that organizations are doing, the different attacks that these different groups are doing. And then you can get down to that, that finer detail, that technical, and some people call it technical layer of intelligence. That's where you're looking at TTPs. How do you block and tackle all the very technical attacks that you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis? And some people specialize in different modes of intelligence. I have friends that have specialized in knowing everything they can about certain APTs. I have friends that only want to deal with incident response. They want to be able to you know, be in the bits and bytes, figuring out infrastructure for attackers. They want to figure out what the, the malware or the binary is on the network. They want to do a lot of that different stuff. And then the strategic folks, those are the folks that are really big brain when it comes to looking at the socioeconomics. They're looking at the politics. They're looking at entire countries and what countries are doing in order to meet their own specific intelligence needs. And so there's like so much that you can do in threat intelligence. I think I said this in one of the very first episodes of Hacker Valley Studio, and it's that I think threat intelligence is one of the easiest roles to get into, but it's also one of the hardest things to master. Because 
it's easy to start to look at things that are coming out in open source, which is everything that you can access readily, like whether it's from Twitter, whether it's from, you know, your favorite security blog, but it's taking that information and distilling it down so that people can digest it and make decisions or take actions on that data. But there gets a point where you then have to figure out how do you prioritize all this information that's coming out. If you have 10 articles that come out in one day, how do you prioritize what is most important? And then what information do you need to get to your stakeholders to make it the most impactful? So that's where it starts to sort of play. And don't even get me started on making predictions and assessments about the future. That's where it really gets difficult. That's where the magic happens for threat intelligence, where you can predict this is where a certain attack is going. This is where a certain trend is going. And then you can tell your business with a certain amount of confidence that this is what we need to do to protect ourselves in the future. I think what we're getting into are some of the benefits of threat intelligence. And when you look at why is a threat intelligence analyst on a team, you might really want to consider some of the benefits or the impact that they can provide. What what would you say has been one of the biggest impacts that you've made being a threat intelligence analyst or even being the manager of a threat intel team? I would say some of the biggest things that that we could do is we can find the, the highest leverage actions that someone could take to make a decision on the network. So we, we're talking about levels of intelligence analysts, right? You might come in and you might be able to just regurgitate things outside of the organization and get the right information to folks. That's great. That's super perfect. But what you want to get to eventually is you want to have enough of the threat intelligence tradecraft and an understanding of your network, an understanding of technology to be able to give advice on this is what we should do to protect ourselves from this particular attack. And I've been in many situations where I've been able to do that just because I'm not only an intelligence analyst, I'm also a cybersecurity practitioner. I care about the technology. I understand how everything is connected. I come from a networking background, so I know what networks, how networks work. I understand how the flow of data happens. And so when you combine those two things together, you're able to give really, really pointed advice on what an organization could do to prevent a specific attack. Now, that's not always going to be the case. There might be edge cases where you just don't have that that granularity. You don't un- have that understanding. So that's why you have to lean on other folks on your team. You have to talk to the threat hunters. You have to talk to the vulnerability management team. You have to talk to the SOC. You have to try to understand what good this information is. And so that's those are some of the big things that you can do is those quick wins where you can lock down a specific attack vector or protect the company in some specific way. So we're about to switch things up. I got a little surprise for you. Oh boy, here we go. I pulled up some jobs that are for cyber threat intelligence analysts. And we're not going to go to about and talk about the company or anything like that, but I'm going to name a few of the skills that they said are required on these job recs. And what you should do is give your input as an intelligence analyst as as to why or how important this skill is. Let's do it. So the first skill is strong technical writing skills, including the ability to proofread, make corrections to others' writings, and explain the reasoning and mentioning analysis to improve their own writing. A hundred thousand percent. 
you know, strong technical writing. In fact, that's a lot of the way that we convey our intelligence to other people. We're writing, and and it could be really long reports, especially if you're doing some type of deep dive on APT or a specific type of attack, or it could be really short, like uh, intelligence summaries, where you're you're giving really really specific information about uh, an emerging threat. And each one of those situations, you're going to want to be able to write really, really, really clearly as to what's going on, why does it matter, and what can we do to help prevent that attack from happening to our organization. So that's super, super important. The next one is, uh, and maybe we should describe what this one really means, and how can you show a hiring manager or even a recruiter that you have this skill. So mm-hmm. the responsibility here is conduct sound analysis to develop forward-looking assessments of the cyber threat landscape. How does one exhibit that attribute or that capability that they have in their, in their experience? I'll answer that with a story. Uh, I remember this is actually when we were at IronNet. Ransomware was really, really picking up around that time. And one of my biggest concerns was a warmable ransomware, like something that could easily go from network to network and lock things up. And I wrote about it, and it was something that other researchers were thinking about this being a possibility. And not very long after that, WannaCry happened. So being able to to come up with predictions, being able to see the trends and where things are headed is super, super important. And the only way you can really do that is to not only really take a look at what's going on right now, but also look at the past. How did things sort of, you know, develop back in the day? So you had viruses back in the day, right, where you had an executable that someone had to execute, but then you had worms. That was the progression. You go from something where you had to interact with it to something that was pretty much automatic. So I knew that that was a a trend and I wasn't by myself. There were several other people that were saying the same thing. But being able to have a handle on where things are headed is going to be super, super important. And even if you don't have a lot of confidence in it, like at that time, I didn't have any degree of confidence that that was going to happen anytime soon. I knew it would happen in the future, but I had no idea how soon that would actually happen. But the closer you are to a certain problem set, like if you're specific on malware intelligence, then you might be able to get really, really specific on those predictions, on those assessments, and be able to say, hey, this is where this particular attack vector is headed. And that's where a lot of magic happens in intelligence. You know, one of the things that I always pride us on is our ability and our desire to network, to really get to know other people in the field and in the industry, and sometimes even out of our industry. I think, you know, those auxiliary skills that you obtain from just talking to the right people can relate to your current expertise or where you spend most of your time. And I believe that when it comes to threat intelligence, and I'm an expert consumer of threat intelligence, I, I typically work with the output, the things that Chris provides in threat intelligence and apply those towards security controls. But when it comes to threat intelligence, I really feel like networking is one of the biggest skills that one needs to obtain in order to really become that subject matter expert, the one that is speaking at conferences and also finding and tracking the latest and greatest intelligence sources. What are your thoughts on networking and how it relates to threat intelligence? You nailed it. It's one of the most important facets of being a threat intelligence analyst. I would say 90% of my best, most impactful tippers 
It didn't come from internal information. It didn't come from threat feeds or, or indicator feeds or anything like that. A lot of the times that information came from other analysts because those other analysts, they're doing as much searching and research as you're doing, but they might be looking in a, a completely different arena than you are. So whenever you make those ties with other analysts, they know, hey, this is going to be important for Chris to know. Let me reach out to him because I know he's going to have my back when that happens. It, this has happened so many times. And it's it's so funny because I'm not saying that you shouldn't use your internal intelligence information. I'm not saying you shouldn't use threat feeds. Those are all important to have. But when it comes to really fine-tuned intelligence, having that that human eye look at certain data and say, this might be important for Chris and his organization, I'm going to get it over to him, right? And I would do the same for anybody else. So always being on the lookout and having that that mindset of helping each other. I've always been a, that mindset of one team, one fight. And, you know, even if we are potentially like rivals as a company, we still want to help each other out because we don't want to see each other fail based on something that could have been prevented via a cyber attack. So we still want to help each other out. And in fact, that's the best way to get information is from the people that are in your specific vertical. So if you're in financial technology and you have friends that are in financial technology and they see an attack impending, then you can say, wow, this could really mess us up. I'm sure it could apply to many other folks. And so that's why you share that information. That's why we have those ISACs. So developing that community, keeping that that network alive and making sure you contribute to it. I couldn't foot stomp that enough for people to do if they're in threat intelligence. And cybersecurity as a whole, it's it's a positive it's a positive sum game. There's only more opportunities to become a threat intel analyst at another company or even a different specific job title that involves cybersecurity. I love how many opportunities there are to connect with other experts, to connect with groups. But I do have to say, sometimes I feel like the information out there is a bit overwhelming. It's, you know, a lot of groups, a lot of people in the industry. For someone that's getting started, what would you recommend to just begin that notion of networking and building your network? Yeah, just find the pockets of threat intelligence analysts, find the slacks, find the ISACs that apply to your your organization. Because if you're coming in and let's say you're working with hospitality and you have no idea what the threat environment looks like there, I'm 100 percent sure there's a group of hospitality threat intelligence folks that are banded together and they know what they're looking for. They know the best sources of information. They've already tried all the threat feeds. They've already tried all the threat intelligence platforms. They've done all these different things. And so they'll be able to give you a leg up. Not necessarily that everything that they say is going to work for you and your organization, but it will point you in the right direction to kind of shorten that learning curve. So that is one of the most important things you can do. So when you have the that skill set, the networking component, and you have the technical and strategic components, how do you take all of that data, that experience, that wisdom, and turn it into something operational. I feel like the threat intelligence teams that I've worked with when I was at a vendor, a lot of them had a lot of information. They had a lot of skills, but they weren't able to make it operational and make that data and expertise work for them. 
Yeah, so you know, this is something we talk a lot about. In fact, we made a course on it, uh, the Easy Framework. Uh, we did that with Attack IQ, and the Easy Framework is an acronym: E, elicit requirements; A, assess collection plan; S, drive for impact; and Y, yield to feedback. And that's really where you get the most oomph out of your threat intelligence program. So that E, elicit requirements. That's the part that I feel like is missing a lot across most programs, like really understanding each stakeholder and what information they need to do their jobs, to make decisions, to take action. So get those requirements from those those folks. Don't necessarily bring your training. Don't bring, you know, old requirements from other companies. Try to come in with a, a clean slate and be able to build from there. And then assess that collection plan. Like, where are you going to get that information? It could be internal. It could be external. It could be from your network strive for impact. That strive for impact is so important because a lot of times we get caught in that production cycle where we're just producing, 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 but are people really doing anything with it? So making sure that you're doing things that are going to make a difference in the business and then why yield the feedback, that's super, super important because we can't grow if we don't know where we're misstepping. We can't grow if we don't know what's working well. So making sure that you bring that feedback in an easy way into your program and be able to act on it and constantly try to improve and push that needle forward. So those are like the the, the key components of operationalizing intelligence, the key components of making your, your team, or if you're by yourself, making your program work for the business. So I highly encourage people to check that out. It's only about an hour long and you get kind of a cool little certification uh, that you can share with folks. Yes, absolutely. And if you're interested in that course, you can find it on hackervalley.com forward slash easy. Fantastic. This has been a great first episode when it comes to answering these questions, Ron. I have a great feeling about it. And I hope people get stuff out of this. If you got anything out of this conversation with Ron and myself, please let us know. If there's something you want us to touch on more, let us know. If there's something you say, ah, I'm good on that information, we can hold that off. Let us know that as well. Yes, please reach out to us. It's podcasts with an S at hackervalley.com. And if you're interested in taking your skills, your mindset, and yourself to the next level, we also host a mastermind that we have a monthly meetup with some great minds in cybersecurity and out of cybersecurity. And you can find that at patreon.com forward slash hackervalley. Can't wait for the next one. We will see you all in a week. And with that, see you next time. found value in this content it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media sent it to a friend or talked about it over coffee thank you